sitting in a hospital bed waiting to hear if I was still pregnant or not. And unfortunately, it ended in miscarriage. Welcome to How to Grieve, the podcast all about grief and grieving. I'm your host, Tiffany, um, and this week we're going to be hearing from my friend Kat Ayers. She is the best. When she sees you, it's like you haven't spent three years living in a different state like we have. <laughs> but even though she's young, even though this is her first experience with miscarriage, trigger warning. Um, She has so many insightful, beautiful things to say about it. So please stay tuned (laughs) for the conversation with her. Um, I do want to remind you to please subscribe. If you love listening to this podcast, please leave us five-star ratings. That's how other people find us. Um, If you have any recommendations for anyone you'd like to hear on this podcast, go ahead and tag How to Grieve. Send them our our link, um, or you can send us their link to our DMs. If you have any questions or anything you want to share, please DM us at How to Grieve on Instagram. Let's get into it. Thanks for coming. Um, Yeah, so I posted a post about grief stories and then turning it into a podcast, and you reached out. So was there something that you were like, yes, I want to be on this. I want to talk about this. Yeah. Um, Over the past year, Robbie, my husband, and I have experienced two miscarriages, Um, and that's been a really big grief for us and me, obviously as the female. Yeah. And I just kind of wanted to talk about that. Yeah. Okay. So you guys have been married how long? Um, almost a year and a half. We got married the day before our County lockdown with COVID. Oh my gosh. So we ended up eloping on this mountain. We canceled our wedding. Um, yeah, but it was magical. So you, you're glad you eloped. Yeah, secretly neither <laughs> wanted a wedding. Um, so we were like, praise God, we're so happy that we didn't have to stand in front of hundreds of people and we could just um, be with our 20 closest friends. And we're both photographers, so the mountain views were everything we wanted for our pictures too. So it was perfect. I feel that we're doing that in for our wedding. Yeah, <laughs> Except we're only gonna have eight people. <laughs> even better. When you put that on um, Facebook or Instagram, I was like, "Yes, this is." The <laughs> yeah, we're excited. Um. So okay. So walk us through. I guess the full experience, like finding out you were pregnant and how you were feeling and what was going through your head. Yeah. So for the first one. Um, we had just started talking about getting pregnant. It wasn't something that was like, we were for sure about yet. Um, so we decided to stop preventing is kind of what we called it. So I had thought that I was pregnant for a couple days and I tested one morning, hadn't even told him yet. I was so excited to tell him when he got home from work that night. Um, and then that evening, I started um, having a lot of miscarrying symptoms. I called my mom because who doesn't call it their mom, you know, in those kinds of situations. I did a televisit and I explained what was going on and they asked me to go to the ER. It was during, you know, one of the peaks of COVID. So Robbie wasn't allowed to be in the ER with me Um, for probably three to four hours. I just was alone in the ER. They were super understaffed. Um, sitting in a hospital bed waiting to hear if I was still pregnant or not. And unfortunately, it ended in miscarriage. Hmm. Being in the peak of COVID must have been terrifying. Yeah, it was. It was hard to be alone. Um, We can talk more about togetherness later on this podcast, but um, being alone and the darkest moments of your life is never fun or good. Um, Mm. So that was really difficult. Yeah. Um, So did, so you ended up telling him or did you call him on the way? Like, yeah, I called him on the way 
and explained. It was a pretty, um, like, physically messy experience. I was actually not at home, and I needed him to leave work, buy me new pants, and take me to the doctor because I didn't, we didn't really know what was going on at first. Um, mm-hmm. So he kind of went through that moment all in probably 10 minutes of pregnant, maybe not wife in pain. I want to kind of get a full picture because I know you, but not everyone does. I want to talk about a little bit of just the joy of meeting Robbie and getting together and deciding to have kids and what all of that was like for you. Yeah, just because, you know, not everyone knows. Yeah. So let me just preface by saying my husband is the best person on the face of the earth and I will (laughs) fight anyone who tells me different. So me, I am like classic Enneagram 8, very um, opinionated and strong-willed. Robbie, on the other hand, is very intellectual. He's extremely kind, very silly at the same time, um, and is the type of person who, this is so cliche, but will give um, the shirt off of his back for anyone. And we... We're young, so when we were in our engaged phase, we babysat a lot together to make money because we have a lot of friends that are a little bit older with kids, and it was kind of a joking way for us to get paid while having a date because we just play with the kids and then put them down, and then we have an evening to ourselves to watch like Netflix or chill or whatever. Um, so through that. I went from never wanting to be a mom to seeing him with kids and just knowing that if I didn't have kids with him, I would be denying him a part of his identity. Like he's just so gentle, so kind, so loving, so engaged with children. Mm -hmm. It was so fun to be around. And I just knew that he was meant to be a dad. Hmm. So it was never an obligation for us. We always just said, if it happens, it happens. If it doesn't, it doesn't, because we're just content with each other. But just after babysitting with him, and we did it a lot, so we had plenty of opportunity to get tired of it. I just knew that I would want to be a mom if he was the dad. Yeah, I hear that. How'd you guys meet? We met very randomly at a... Bible study. I was at the time working at a church in front of the whole staff. The senior pastor was like, yeah, and Kat's going to come to our young adults Bible study today. And I was like, um, ah, no, thank you. <laughs> but I just felt awkward about it. So I went anyways. Um, and he is best friends with the pastor's son and he kind of got drug along as well. And during he plays guitar which obviously mm-hmm. is so attractive. Um, during yes, I would agree. Time, it's just like, come on, guys. Seriously. <laughs> Guitar and a beard. Oh, my God. And he's got both, so. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> he was asked to play just some chords of guitar during a prayer, which is like total classic Christian prayer time. So yes. goofy. And it was about five or 10 minutes into this prayer. I think he maybe forgot or just couldn't think of more to play. And he started playing the opening lick to Banana Pancakes. (laughs) And if you guys don't know that song, it's not a prayerful song. (laughs) (laughs) And I looked up and was like, I think that's so funny. I want to know you better. Um, (laughs) And I just chose him. I was like, you're mine now. It was a couple weeks of flirting. And then he finally worked up the courage to ask me out on a date. And Mm -hmm. it moved fast for us. We got engaged with almost within a little bit after a year. And then married after about four to six months of engagement. But we just kind of knew it was for us. So you guys have been together two and a half years? Since 2008, yeah. 2018? (laughs) 
2018 was the same year Kyle and I started dating. Oh, sweet. So um, I also, I want to know a little bit more about you because I think that when we're telling the story of grief, you kind of have to go back a little bit Hmm. to like some of your first experiences with grief. Because I think that it can be telling of how you process things now. So do you have like a memory or a moment where you feel like, oh, this is familiar? Yeah, I think probably my earliest memory of grief was losing my grandpa. Growing up, I confided in my grandparents a lot. They lived a couple blocks down the road and they were definite safe havens for me. Um, As a kid, I didn't open up to people very much and I didn't express emotion very much either. Whenever I needed something or wanted to hang out, I would really just ride my bike over to my grandparents' house and hang out with them. I would go grocery shopping with them, just anything to kind of be with them because they Mm -hmm. are very kind people. Um, And when I was seven, my grandpa did uh, pass away of cancer. And I think that was my first experience with grief. I don't have many memories surrounding that time other than it was Easter time. Yeah, I just remember like I didn't ever really want to talk about it. I didn't want to think about it too much. I just kind of wanted to move past it probably quicker than I could have. So, little cat, <laughs> was she always unemotional? I Is think there I was, something for the most of my life I was very I was emotional, but I processed it through anger. Mm -hmm. Um, But I did not present much emotion growing up. And I still, I'm still working on learning how to express my emotions. How are you learning that now? Well, for one, I'm in therapy. Amazing. Uh, Shout out to (laughs) Love. Love her. It's mine. (laughs) Such good names. <laughs> I know. <laughs> just safe all around. Um, yeah. And just learning, like, how, for me, emotion, emotions manifest very physically. So I feel it in my body more than I feel it in my quote-unquote feelings. Um, how? So if I'm anxious, I get heartburn. Or if I'm mm-hmm. angry, my fingertips are tingly. And if I'm glad, my belly feels warm. Um, so just learning that those physical feelings aren't coincidental and learning what to do with them. So growing up, I played sports a lot. I played aggressive sports. So ice hockey was my main focus. I got a lot of expressing my emotions out through the physical nature of hockey. Um, but then when I got older, I didn't have that um, after graduating high school. Um, So I really had to learn how to process my emotions and what to do with them and how to let them be and not be afraid of them, not not let them control me, but to just be present with them ultimately. Do you think that the first miscarriage kind of led you into that? Or was there a moment when you were younger where you were like, oh, maybe anger isn't the best way to process all of this? No, I think through the first miscarriage, I really was presented with my anger in a different way. But it was, it was a lot more internal anger with my miscarriages. Mm -hmm. It wasn't like, oh, why God? Why this? Why that? It was an anger with my own body that I hadn't experienced before. And just through you know, meditation and processing with friends and opening up to friends has really been the only way to release myself from the chains of that self-hatred. Because it seems like a super, like, bird's eye view, big picture, healthy thinking. So 
have you been going to therapy before you started all of this or? Um, yeah, I've been going to therapy since right after Robbie and I got married. I've kind of always like struggled with depression and we have a mutual friend who sees as well. And I had just been talking to her and I was like, man, I have no idea what to do with this. Her being a great friend, she took my phone and my credit card and signed me up for my first appointment. <laughs> I love that. Go ahead. Yeah, right. So it had definitely already been in the works of learning how to process emotion and feel, but I wasn't really presented with an in-your-face moment until that first miscarriage. So just a little more detail on what that looked like. Um, it was not rainbows and butterflies for the first year. It was like biweekly sessions of meeting with her and talking about past things and current things. And really, for me, I'm a much more logical person, like a left-brained person. I don't know what to say. So it was, and this is still a process of learning how to be present with my emotions in my brain and my body at the same time Mm. because I have a tendency to disassociate those two things and not feel like I'm in my body. So Mm -hmm. I'm like physically feeling these feelings, but emotionally and mentally I'm completely somewhere else. Um, And a really practical thing that she's taught me is the logic game where just my closest people know about this, they will ask me logical questions to help realign my body and my mind. So I'm a real big math geek, and they just ask me simple math questions. Or Robbie's been asking me all the state capitals, so I've got those memorized now. (laughs) Just to help me re-engage. And it's hard, and sometimes it makes me cry just because I feel so separated. Um, Mm -hmm. But these simple, steady grounding questions are helping me come back to myself. So do you think it takes like a while or is it something that like Robbie or your friends will notice? Like, do you normally pick up on it or do they do before? I think we both pick up on it, but I don't acknowledge it much. Mm -hmm. Um, But my friends are the ones to just start asking me questions of the logical questions to help you re-engage. That's awesome. To bring you mm-hmm. back to center, make you feel present. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What are some other ways that you feel like you've been coping? Um, for the first time in my life, I am talking about how I feel. I've said that, but also just the unknowns of kind of the experience. Mm-hmm. So in the past, when anything hard has happened, small or big, I've just kind of gone with it and absorbed it and not really presented it to other people. But pretty often, I'm talking with a few of my friends and a mentor about just kind of where I'm at and not expecting to be fixed by the end of the conversation, but just laying out, hey, I haven't eaten in three days. Can you talk with me on the phone while I cook dinner just so I can have some sort of motivation to do this or I have this really great friend who will go on a walk with me just Mm. to help me re-engage and we'll have just deep conversations about um, mental health there's never an expectation of where I want my friends to fix me or my friends are trying to fix me but they're just with me ultimately and I think in the grief, that's been the most healing thing for me. That's beautiful. Is there um, a moment that you've had recently or a conversation that you feel like has been impactful or has shifted something for you? Yeah. Um, this was after the second miscarriage. I was in the Target parking lot with and it was super late at night. And we were supposed to meet up with more friends later. Mm-hmm. and just the thought of being around other people who didn't really know what was going on scared me, and it just made me really sad. I didn't want to do it. I just sat in the parking lot with her, and she cried with me. She isn't much of an emotional person either, 
And she just expressed to me that she was, I keep using the word with me, that she was here. I am a Christian. I have a hard time putting or seeing God in my pain. Mm. And through her just sitting with me, and we didn't talk, we just both sat and cried. I experienced a healing moment with Jesus that when she said, hey, I'm here with you, it was like it was God saying, hey, I'm here with you. Um, Because I do believe God is healing and wants us to be full and unbroken, but he doesn't or hasn't, for me, rushed that process. Mm -hmm. I just felt a new freedom that I hadn't before to not just suck it up or not just to fight through, but actually to acknowledge the grief that I was experiencing and be with it. Because when you acknowledge it and you hold it, it just doesn't have the same kind of control over you that it does when you just stuff it. Yeah. So that was pretty life-changing for me. Yeah, that's awesome. Do you feel like because it was a miscarriage that you felt like you couldn't tell anyone at the beginning? Absolutely. I was so embarrassed. Um, So for the second one, just to give you a little more picture on that, we were actually actively trying to be pregnant. Um, I had suspicions that I was pregnant. Like my boobs started hurting and I was like, that is my signal. And I could smell a candle that was two rooms away <laughs> in a bag with a lid on. And I was like, this. That's some superpower. <laughs> um, so while Robbie went to work, I tested because I've always just wanted to surprise him. Mm-hmm. And I had been in a group chat with my two closest friends like, okay, let's see what's about to happen. It was positive, And I just came undone. I was so happy. I was Mm. so grateful. And I literally said out loud, just to myself, I said, man, I'm so glad to not be one of those girls that struggles with infertility. Mm. I didn't really understand what I was saying to myself, but I just was happy that it wasn't me. I was nine weeks along when we lost the second pregnancy. And we had plans with all of our friends that morning. It was Easter morning. And I worked at a church at a time. I've recently quit. Mm-hmm. So I just told Robbie I worked that day. I didn't tell anyone at work. And, I mean, I had tears on my shirt because I have a light-colored shirt on. And one of my volunteers looked at me and said, have you been crying? And I was like, No. I mean, obviously, this is why my face is red. Tears are on my shirt. Mm -hmm. And I was just so embarrassed and so mortified that I had lost another baby. And then I had to do the text to my friends to say, hey, we couldn't come or we can't come to the plans anymore. Um, And I told them what happened. Whew, that was, it was so rough. I didn't want to... I didn't want anyone to know. I barely even wanted to go to the doctor. Um, I didn't tell many people for a while. Um, But then I cannot remember. Oh, I stumbled upon a grief workbook, basically, from a doula that I follow on Instagram. And yeah. (laughs) She posted about it, and it's called Loved Baby. And so I just ordered it off off of Amazon, and I thought I would give it a shot. I never thought I would be the kind of person that liked like devotionals or workbooks, but I thought I would humble myself and give it a try. And I realized a lot of the feelings I was feeling weren't isolated experiences. And... I was not, I don't know how to put it, like, I felt like it was my fault and that if I told anyone, they would know it's my fault. And I had all these feelings that I didn't know what to do with. Um, But through this devotion, it shared other women's stories of losing pregnancies or losing um, babies or kids. 
I really just wanted to give it a shot because of her trusted recommendation, honestly. And since I wasn't really talking about it to many people, I knew I needed to do something about it. Um, so I got the devotional and was reading other women's stories and figuring out that I was not alone and the shame and the guilt that I felt. And through this, it just spoke words of scripture over me that were so empowering and encouraging. Um, but even more so than the scripture, it was hearing other people talk about their own stories too. That was just really moving. Um, so I started going through um, this devotion. Yeah, it gave me a new sense of peace about talking about the stigma behind miscarriage because at least in my circles, no one talks about it and people suffer in silence and hold on to this grief for a long time. And I just knew that I did not want to do that anymore because I knew how it felt for the first one and Starting on the second one, I wasn't talking about it to many people still, and it just felt like I was holding this weight of shame over myself that was slowly pushing me to the ground, and I knew I needed to lift that off. So I actually posted about it on Instagram recently. Um, Once I got to the point where I felt like if someone commented a positive thing or a negative thing, I wouldn't be affected deeply by it. Mm-hmm. I knew once I got to that point that I would be able to post it. Did anyone comment negatively? S- not comment. People damned. Oh, no. <laughs> cringeworthy stuff. Like what? Yeah, so it was really so this I was so thankful for Brene Brown for talking about how uh, she shares what she's going through because I kind of just copied what she has modeled along those lines of like, if it does not affect you, then it's good to go. But if you need that affirmation or if it's going to tear you apart. So I was all good. But a lot of people, I had someone say, at least you can get pregnant. Like, oh, this is so good. You know, you can get pregnant. (laughs) Um. I had a couple questions that I knew were not intended in an inappropriate way, but I Mm -hmm. was uncomfortable by them. Just asking like what caused it Mm. or well, was the pregnancy planned? Mm. And um, I'm trying to remember some of the other ones. Some weird things that people, oh, and like I got this from a lot of older people that follow me. Mm-hmm. And when I mean older, I mean like 50s, 60s. So not like super old. Um, <laughs> just older than we are. <laughs> just older than we are. They, I got this a lot. It was, well, at least you're young. You're young. So you know, you've got a long road ahead of you. Don't worry. And ultimately, like, the thing I realized was that people are just uncomfortable in being in grief. A Why lot do of you people, think that is? There's probably a lot of reasons, but <laughs> one of the main ones is that they feel that sadness within themselves. And they're starting to empathize, mm. but... They, I think innocently, a lot of people don't want to sound like they're um, disregarding your pain. So when people empathize a lot, they usually just are more quiet and Mm. they're with you. They are gentle to you. And I think, honestly, some people are just afraid that that will be mistaken for a lack of care. So they just feel, they feel the need to fill this emptiness or the silence. Mm. Um, ultimately, I think it's just people don't understand how to um, 
cope with their own grief. So they try to deny it or um, fill it up with other things. Mm. But on the positive, not positive, encouraging note of that um, Instagram post, I had about 30 women reach out to me through text message or Instagram DMs sharing that I wasn't alone in the experience. And a lot of women were telling someone for the first time, like, hey, I've been through this too, and I don't know how to talk about it. Or um, even women that are a little bit older than me have said, hey, I've been here too. Um, This happened before our first child or whatever. I was really encouraged by the amount of people that reached out and broke the silence for the first time. Mm, that's so powerful mm-hmm. it was beautiful yeah yeah I, that was something I was going to ask you if there were people that you knew that you didn't know that they had had a miscarriage yeah so I mean even from people that had followed me from weddings that we had shot two years ago mm-hmm. people that were just at the wedding that I had never even talked to Um, as close as, you know, there have been two closer women in my life. Um, one that I go to church with and one, um, more recently that we went on the world race with that had messaged me. And I was just like, I never knew, you know, that you were in this kind of pain. And I'm so happy that we could connect over it and just share each other's grief, um, during this time. Yeah. I, um, recently interviewed Hope, (laughs) Mm. um, and we were talking about how I hope that this podcast becomes something like that, like your family, or I always compare it to like my titis in the kitchen, like (laughs) during a holiday, just gossiping about the family or like telling each other like, oh my God, have you gone to this doctor? He's the best. You need to do this. Like, oh, you're having a problem with this? Here's my best advice. And like how we are each other's greatest resources. Totally. Um, Yeah. And so I think that's so powerful. That's so beautiful that people felt, even if they hadn't spoken to you, like they felt some sort of connection enough to just reach out and they hadn't told anyone else. That's insane. Yeah. And that is the beauty of social media. Sometimes I feel like people want to just hate on it and be, you know, so anti um, social media just to feel better about something. But I think if you allow social media to connect people, it will. Mm. And it can be such a good tool. That's beautiful. Um, Okay. So I want to touch a little bit on how you, how your experience of grief, like what's, what that has taught you about yourself and moving forward. That is a good question. (laughs) So I always thought that I had to be strong through pain or sadness. Um, Where did you learn that? That's a great question. I think I've just always been like this. Nature versus nurture, who knows? But um, <laughs> my, I talked to my mom to ask her questions about like what I was like when I was even just a toddler. Um, and she explains that I've just always had this innate drive to filter myself and um, not let the world see kind of what's going in on going on on the inside Um, anywhere from just like falling off your bike and I one time I was going down this huge hill and I fell and tore up the left side of my leg and I just remember wanting to cry so badly but I just got up, walked my bike back up the hill, went inside, cleaned myself off, got alone, 
and then I cried. Um, I've just always wanted to be a symbol of strength to the outside world. But through this experience of grief, I'm learning that strength and my version of strong is actually what I used to think was my version of weak. Um, So I think the biggest thing I'm learning is that I am strong enough to go through grief, but I'm also strong enough to show um, the outside world what grief looks like for me. Um, And for me, that's looked like crying in parking lots. Um, It's looked like not getting perfectly dressed before going to Target because I'm just too sad or um, a lot of different things. But I think the overall is that my version of weak, my perceived version of weak is actually my, my version of strength. So that like your old perspective would have been that crying and feeling your feelings was weak. Mm-hmm. And now you see that as strong. Yeah. That vulnerability. Mm-hmm. Our Lord and Savior, Brené Brown. <laughs> Amen. Love her. <laughs> um, I want to talk a little bit about what you miss before grief, before going through this process, if there's something that. What I miss. You feel, yeah, what you miss. Like about your life, about yourself. I think if I'm answering this question correctly, I think I was really missing the tool of empathy before. Um, I didn't know what it looked like or how to be empathetic. And I miss the bravery of that and the bravery Mm -hmm. of stepping into dark places with people and not trying to show them the way, but just trying to be a present human being that doesn't have all the answers. Um, So you've spoken about your friends and how they have kind of helped walk you through this Um, and Robbie as well. Mm -hmm. Um, Do you feel more connected to them in a way? Fully. Yeah. Explain that a little bit. I just, I think of the times I missed out as a kid, allowing Mm -hmm. other kids to show me empathy. Like, I just think if, you know, nine-year-old me would have cried when she fell off her bike I could have had a friend walk me to her house that was a little closer by and help me clean off my wound. And I just imagine maybe her mom would have given us popsicles and we could sit back and laugh on that in a couple of years. Mm-hmm. I think that I'm learning what a strong safety net looks like and how mm-hmm much more of yourself you can be once you know um, that you have something to fall back on. Um, I feel sometimes that uh, like joy is my biggest vulnerability and through grieving with my friends and then being a safe haven for me and Robbie to grieve I have experienced new ways to be joyful with them. Um, And it's new permissions inside of myself that I'm just okay to be um, present with joy and grief at the same time. What does that look like? Um, A very tangible experience is a friend who is just the most kind and gentle and slow soul you've ever met, um, came up to me, held my face, and said, hey, I saw your post on Instagram about the miscarriages. 
and I'm really sorry. It was a joy for her to do that to me because before I would have been like, no, it's okay. It's totally fine. Don't worry about it. Mm. Um, but I was just able to sit for a second with, with my cheeks in her hands and it was a healing moment because I could process my own pain and I didn't feel alone in it anymore. And it really left me feeling a, a new level of joy. I was just so grateful for that. Hmm. Yeah, that ability to be safe. Like you allowed yourself mm-hmm. to be safe. Wow. I am so grateful for people who are not afraid to be sad. <laughs> yeah. I mean, say it again. <laughs> I just, even in my own grief and my own story from the last few years, like there are people who gave me that five seconds of themselves. And for those five seconds, I wasn't so isolated because grief is so isolating. Yeah. Like you're just fully. like by yourself. <laughs> like, like you and Robbie lost two babies, but you felt alone even mm-hmm. still. And I'm sure that he probably felt some layers of that. Oh, absolutely. And it can be such a separating experience for married couples. Um, because they're, thank God, Brene, Br- Brene Brown has done all the research that this world needs. Um, <laughs> but she talks about um, how couples grieve differently. And mm. when you have an expectation of how you want your partner to grieve, um, it just drives you apart. So for Robbie, he was a lot more quiet. And I didn't. I didn't know at first if he was grieving and I didn't, I didn't feel it cause it looked different than my grief. Um, hmm. But the best thing for us has been trusting that we are grieving and that our grief will look different. Hmm. Have you guys had a moment where you kind of were like, Oh, he is grieving. Like, Oh, we are in this together. There's been many, but my favorite so far is he played me a song last night or two nights ago that he had found. The song is, I'm going to pull it up just so I know the name of it. The song is all about um, this person learning to love their partner. It, there's a few lyrics in there that are like um, talking about it's, it looks different every single day about why or how this male is supposed to love another person. We both just sobbed. I mean, it was so mm. rare for us to both cry like that for each other. And I think that was an upward feeling of our grief as a couple. Of mm. We are constantly learning to love each other different every single day in the midst of this pain but it's beautiful and and it can be good what'd you say oh yeah kyle and i call it leveling up (laughs) tell me about that (laughs) we're like we're just like oh that like we have this tension or whatever that we have figured out you know and you have that like that upward feeling of you just got better with your partner we're like oh did we just level up (laughs) i love that that's amazing And it is beautiful. Like, that's so, so beautiful that you guys could share that. Um, and I want to ask you a couple final questions um, as we're wrapping it up. I don't want to take too much of your time. But if you had the chance, which you did with those 30 people, right, who DM'd you um, to share a lesson that you've learned or share just something you wish someone would have told you, what would you share? 
I would, if I could just drop one short sentence, is don't tie yourself to bravery and don't don't try to be strong for anything or anyone, um, but just be present with what you need to experience because your body mm. will absolutely tell you what you need to feel and when you need to feel it. And you're denying yourself healing when you deny yourself those feelings. Mm. That's incredible. Shoot. Shoot, feelings, everyone. Shoot dang. <laughs> I did I've noticed that you have a little bit of an accent now because oh, you've stop. been living in Georgia. <laughs> You're like and you say and oh my goodness. <laughs> All my northern friends are gonna come after me. Yes. I'm still, <laughs> I'm still a liberal Yankee at heart, so don't take that away from me. <laughs> it's so funny because I remember when we went to Al's wedding. I remember being like, oh my gosh, your accent's gone. And you've like gained it. <laughs> it's like you took it from her. <laughs> oh, that's right. She really did used to have such a strong. Uh-huh. And she would say, what, what's the phrase? I might could, I might could have a pizza for dinner. <laughs> she still says might could. I get on her all the time for that. I'm like, what might does that could. even mean? Break it down for me. <laughs> might could. <laughs> oh, it's so funny. It says, um, look it. Like instead of just saying like look, like look at this. She says look it. Look it. Weird. <laughs> and you guys live together, right? Mm-hmm. We do. Yeah. That's so fun. So she is interviewing right now. Oh fun. For a job. <laughs> yeah, for a job. We also we live with our friends. You live with them? Yeah. I didn't know that. Did mm-hmm. you guys just move in? Mm, I love that. Maybe two months ago, yeah. I love that. Okay. My final question. Okay. Uh, tell me about a moment of recent joy. Oh. There's <laughs> been a few. I think a very simple one is coming I am dog-sitting right now, and I grew up with a golden retriever, Mm. and back to me never having emotions, I used this golden retriever growing up as my free therapy, so if I was feeling overwhelmed or stressed or angry, I would just go sit with Max, and I would read to Max, I would just sit with Max or I would talk to Max like it was my friend or therapist. And that was so good for me as a kid to kind of have that non-human outlet. I was having a really bad day the other day and I started to sit with this golden retriever and it just laid on my lap. And I just Mm. was so joyful because it reminded me so vividly of that process and how intuitive dogs are. Um, Mm -hmm. And so it was just this moment where I just had, was having a bad day and then that golden retriever laid on my lap and I cried for a moment. And then I was like, you are the best dog ever for just (laughs) (laughs) being with me. So that was awesome. We don't deserve dogs. They're so perfect. This one took a nap on me right before the interview. And <laughs> look how cute. Ooh, just right on my chest. <laughs> she just showed me a picture of him laying on her. <laughs> so sweet. <laughs> I love. Well, I love you. And I am so grateful that you let me sit with you. And let me hear your story. And I hope that um, as other people are hearing your story, that they will kind of feel themselves unraveling, listening to the truth of what it's like to really go through something like that. Um, And I do hope you have as many babies as you want. 
Thank you. in whatever way you want. You're going to make a great mom. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, thanks for giving me the opportunity to share a little bit of this journey. Yeah. Do you want people to be able to catch up with you, follow you? Yeah. Do all the things? That'd be awesome. Yeah, if people want to chat about anything we talked about today, my Instagram is cat with a C, like the animal, C-A-T dot airs, A-Y-E-R-S. That's the best way to reach me. Perfect. And I'll link her too. <sighs> okay. Thank you. Bye. Bye. <laughs> going to say um every three seconds for the rest of this podcast life and I'm very sorry (laughs) especially to my editor um there we go I did want to um share my favorite thing that Kat had to say was just how powerful it is to sit with someone in their grief without having to fix it, without having to fix them, without having to come with a solution, just being with them. Um, So I do want to challenge you this week. If you know anyone who's going through a hard time, reach out, just sit with them, uh, share a meal with them, be with them, be a friend. And I hope that this week, if you are someone who's going through something that you would feel like someone sat with you either by listening to this podcast something that small or um, that you would feel empowered to reach out to your friends and tell them that you're not doing so great please reach out to Kat she is open and willing to also be a participant in this life with you um, to share her story to share her insight to be your friend you can follow her at Kat Ayers on Instagram um Yeah, I hope that you guys have a good week. Take care, y'all. Original music by Kyle Porter and editing by Emmanuel Zarate. Take care, y'all.